0: chapter 10 page one two three that's right it's time to go start the show tom and we're looking at evidences for the christian faith that's right efcf whatever that is and uh but anyway as we saw if you were here last time we didn't get too far much uh, further than uh the opening story of this guy basically having an encounter of him trying uh, to share his faith okay now to set the context there of how to share our faith and why we need to do that it's not an option it's not just for those who have studied the Bible for 9,000 years right Tom that's right give it up for Tom that skin emollients working awesome you don't look a day over 3,000 but that's right uh, but uh, turn in your Bibles if you will to 1st Peter chapter 3 1st Peter chapter 3 once again let's take a look at why in the world is it important to study apologetics which is what it is. It doesn't mean that you apologize for being a Christian. You give a logical defense as to why you're a Christian above anything else on the planet, dare I say. First uh, Peter chapter three is our text. If you find third Peter, what do you do? Chuck it out, right? It's not in there. First Peter chapter three, that's right. Uh, verse 15, let's take a look. And uh, let's take a look at what he would share uh, with you and I, okay? And the first Peter chapter three, Verse 15, all right? And uh, let's grab the context there in verse 13. Let's what he says. He says this, who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good, okay? He says, but even if you should suffer for what is right, what you mean to tell me, especially if we live for Jesus, you're gonna pay a price for it? Man, I've said this many times and I've learned this in, all, in 20 years now being a Christian, praise God. Anytime you wanna do something truly significant for Christ, you're going to pay a significant price. That rhymes, you can preach it, you can do whatever you want with it, but that's what I've learned. You're going to suffer, okay? Because this world hates the truth, okay? And uh, so, uh, but it's an honor to suffer for Jesus, okay? He says, and that's what he says, hey, you're blessed, you're not tortured, right? You're blessed. What, what, a, what a privilege it is to suffer for Jesus, to share the truth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the master of the universe and to suffer for it. That's an honor. That's a privilege. Okay, he says, you're blessed. He says, hey, don't fear what they fear. (laughs) Don't be frightened, okay? But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Who's the one that's in control? Even when we suffer? Even when people persecute us? Even when people mock and make fun of us for sharing the truth? Jesus Christ, he's Lord. It's kurios in the Greek that's used there. He is the Lord. He is, here's a good, man, kind of getting a little sidetracked, but let's go with it. Uh, curios literally means, here's a good term. We don't like this scene today because we're like, we're so independent. It's, you know, don't you tell me what to do. You know, the rebellious streak. Master is what that is. Did you know that? You know, when you become a Christian, really what you're saying when I'm a follower of Christ, a Christian, did you know what, you, what you're saying is Jesus Christ is not just my Lord. That's a Christianese phrase, right? It's Not some British guy who oversees all. Okay. Master. He is your master. Remember that exciting, uh, very theologically profound show, I Dream of Genie. Remember that? Okay, for all of you back there. How many guys still don't even know who Brady Bunch is? I'm still shocked. I don't even, it's hard for me to fall asleep at night that I know that some of you out there don't even know who the Brady Bunch is. Uh, But anyway, but uh, remember what she would do and every time that Tony, the guy, whatever, would give her a desire, she would say, yes, master. And all the ladies said, that's awesome. That's what we need to do. Yes, and he's standing alone on the pulpit. Oh, you scared guys, you. But uh, that's right, but uh, that's what she would say. I mean, that was her, and of course, that's a jest, that's not real, but but do you realize that that should be our attitude as a Christian? When we see Jesus is our Lord, is he Lord of your life? Not just, is he Lord? Is Is that our attitude? When he asks us to do something, anything, including share the gospel, including the context tonight, hey, would you give a defense for the hope that lies within you? Yes, master. Yes, Jesus. Yes, king of kings, Lord of lords, yes. Blink your eyes, twiddle your nose, do whatever you gotta do, whatever. Okay, yes, is that our attitude? Okay, even if it's suffering, it's still yes, master. He is our master. Set apart in your heart, Jesus is your master. Now, can I tell you something? I like the one guy mentioned this. You know, people say, you need to make the Lord Jesus, uh, you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Excuse me? Nobody makes Jesus Lord. He is the Lord whether you want to make him that or not. He is the master of all creation in the whole universe, okay? And that's what he says. Hey, listen, you're suffering. Set apart Jesus, Lord. Yes, master. I'll do for you, master. Anything you say, master. Even if I got to take heat for this, yes, master. That's what we are as a Christian. And listen to what he says. He says, now, in the context of that, you might have to suffer for doing what is right. But Jesus Christ is the master, which also means that he's sovereign, okay? Uh, Even in our difficulties, he is sovereign, uh, even in our difficulties, he says, oh, by the way, I'm also going to work that together for your good. Yes, master. You got it, master. I'll do I'll keep moving forward. Okay, nothing's going to detour me. And he says this. And this is the context there. He says, now always. Now, how often is that? Always, right? Now, we know that we should always live a life that is pleasing to God, right? Hopefully. Somebody say yes. yes. And the preacher feels better tonight, okay? Uh, and we should always uh, share the gospel, Every opportunity we can get, right? We know that one, right? right. Does he know that the Bible says, always be prepared? Be ready. I mean, you're armed to the teeth, to the heel. To what? Well, what's he say there? He says, always be prepared for what? To give an answer, okay? For the hope that you have, okay? Uh, Are we always ready for that? I don't know about you guys, when I first got saved, and and I, I didn't believe in evolution. Uh, even before I was a Christian. It's like, that's, uh, you excuse me? I did not come from an ape, that's offensive, okay? And uh, then you look at the complexity of the stars growing up in the Midwest out in the middle of nowhere. It's like, are you kidding me? That's not by chance, there's no way, right? And, uh, but man, when I became a Christian and then came across some apologetic defensive information to show scientifically, logically, philosophically, geographically, archeologically, that, oh, you, yes, that God is the one who made this earth. That was exciting. That was exciting to come across that information. It's exciting to be able to have this ammo to give a defense for the hope that lies within us. He says, always be prepared. You should always be gravitating towards that. Uh, you You should have a plaque of Josh McDowell on your desk every day, if you will. If you know, he's an apologist. Of course, I'm being in jest. Yeah, don't worship him. But he's a great apologist. Now, there are other guys like that. And, uh, but that's what he says. Always be ready to give a defense, uh, an answer to everyone. Okay, who, who? Everyone? Now, what's that imply? Everyone. That's right, Jim. You got that even without your hat on tonight. Uh, everyone. That means everybody. What about that guy that keeps asking the same question over and over again? What about the guy that says, hey, what about dinosaurs in the Bible? I skipped those. You need to go find out. There is an answer, you know. There's a great, awesome answer. It'll blow your socks off how much we've been lied to. And it'll bless your socks off being equipped to give a defense. But listen, get prepared. Don't avoid those people. That's a great logical question. You need to get, take the initiative and get prepared to give an answer for that. Don't skip over it. And if we don't tell them the truth, who's going to tell them? History Channel? Because we all know that's always biblical. Right. Okay. If we don't get equipped always, as he says. Now, notice it's not an option. Always means always. Who's going to tell them? Who's going to give that answer for the hope that we have? Okay, and he says this, but I like this. We'll finish with this and move on. He says, now, uh, do this with a big, giant family Bible about six feet long and beat them over the head if they don't listen. I'm sorry, (laughs) wrong translation. That's right, Jim. With gentleness and respect, okay? You know, sometimes when you share with people, they're not going to like it. You just got to know when to pull the plug, I call it. You know what I'm saying? Doesn't mean you walk back in fear. Doesn't mean that you don't try to give an answer. But if you realize you're really getting nowhere after a while, I'm not saying if you know. and he says, and well, here's the reason. You, okay, I quit. I'm not saying you can't engage for a while, but at some time wisdom should kick in and go like, you know what? It's just not profitable right now. It's not worth it. I need to just back down off of here and we'll deal with something else, right? You know what I'm saying? You need to do it with gentleness and respect. Okay, is what he's talking about there. Now, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your, what, what kind of behavior? Good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Oh, you because have you ever noticed this? When you're, if you will, winning an argument, if you will, not that it should be an argument in a negative sense, but when you're getting a defense for the hope that lies within you and you're just slowly, methodically taking them through logically about their need of a savior, etc., and have you ever lied? Have you ever stole, you know? And, th- you know, they have nothing to say. Then usually what they'll do is they resort to what's called character assassination. Well, you guys are a bunch of wackos. Well, I knew this guy one time, blah, blah, blah. You Christians are a bunch of hypocrites, blah, blah, blah. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. now you're getting malicious. You're slandering me, All right? He says, at that point, then you just really just, you attack them and beat them up. No, that's not what you do. It says your good behavior, not bad behavior. Okay, you don't lay hands on them. Not, that's not what it means, Robert. I, I know it's tempting, but it's not what, anyway. Uh, but uh, that's not what you do. It's your good behavior. So that even when they maliciously say stuff against you, even if they're, quote, losing the argument and they resort to stuff like that and make fun of you and poke at you and just call you names and blah, 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 make a big scene or do whatever, embarrass you, even in public, like with this story with this guy. Your good behavior, your consistent good behavior backs up what you say. See, that's the other side of the, the coin, right? Okay? And usually we, we, do, we, we, we do it the wrong thing. We'll sit there and we'll say, well, I'm, I'm a Christian. I don't know how to give a defense for UFOs or dinosaurs or why we didn't come from evolution or any of that kind of apologetic stuff. But you know what? I'm just going to live a good life, a holy life as a Christian. And hopefully through osmosis, they can somehow figure out about Jesus. Okay. Yes, you need to live a good holy life. Okay, but sometimes you need to speak up. You got to use your mouth. Okay, you got to speak up. Okay, but, but here's the balance. And this is what this text is saying. It needs to be both. Okay, you, you, you do need to give a defense. You do need to open up your mouth. But come on, when you open up your mouth, would you please not be a hypocrite? Would you please not be the nastiest person at the workplace or on the block or the person who's always griping and living? You know, I, that always which is, kills me. Right? You ever sit a, a, across somebody that always whines and complains all the time? Right? You might be having a great day and they're just... Mm-hmm, the company, this or that, or the boss, or this or that. And you're having a great day. But if you're not careful, it's like a, it's like a slimy infection. What happens to you? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, the boy... Mm-hmm. It's just kind of... right. Well, here's the deal. Here we are on the one breath with our lips... We're sitting there going, oh, Jesus, he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Oh, if only you would get saved. He's great. He gives you the the spirit of the God. He comes to dwell within you. And his fruit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. It's awesome. What a great life. Yeah, you're right. I thought of that. Well, which one is it? When you live the Christian life, could you please focus? And this is what I think he's saying, Peter. Could you do both? Don't just study and then live a horrible life. That's a bad commercial. Okay? You need to back it up with your life. And then, my goodness, I'm sorry, but some people do need their answers, uh, questions answered. Right? You just can't just sit there. Well, I just, I just don't, I don't drink, cuss, or chew, or hang around with those that do. Don't you want to be a Christian now? <laughs> no, you got to have both. Okay, now, and this is actually what's kind of, I don't know what the intentions of the author was with this opening story, but it's kind of disturbing to me, okay? It it leaves me with kind of a a, a defeatist attitude, and that really needs to be dispelled, okay? Uh, Because he kind of goes through this like, it's just, oh, oh, they're gonna, oh, ah. Can I tell you something? You know what the reason why oftentimes we're scared to share? That rhymes, okay? Uh, Is because we're not equipped. We're not doing what Peter said because we're scared they're gonna ask the question, any question, right? Anything beyond just the basics. Now, if we would do what he says, always be prepared, do your homework. You mean I gotta study even outside of Sunday? Yes, you do. Okay, Uh, and then uh, you need to be prepared. And when you get prepared, hey, bring it on, let's roll. What do you wanna talk about, right? Takes a long time. But what do you want to talk about? You want to talk about UFOs? Let's go to town. Love that topic. I'm so glad you asked. I love it when people ask me, what about the guy on the desert island who never heard of Jesus, never had a copy of the Bible? You mean God's going to send that innocent man to hell? Uh, excuse me. Let's, I, thank you. Thank You You made my day when you asked. That. I love that question because it's a straw man argument. First of all, there is no one innocent. Case closed. I could stop there. But Paul says, everybody is gonna stand before God is gonna have to give an account. There's no innocent person. There's plenty enough knowledge. Paul says in the light of creation, Romans chapter one, through what he has made, everybody there's without excuse. You know, there is a God. You see, design is something that implies a designer, number one. Number two, you got the light of conscience in you. Romans chapter two, he talks about the Gentiles. They didn't have a copy of the Jewish Torah, the law. He says, but they're a law unto themselves. In- in- inherently, they know what's right and wrong. It- it- why is it that people on the planet know that it's wrong to steal, no matter what culture? Wrong to murder? Initially, you can get a hardened conscience later. Where'd that come from? From God, a universal lawgiver. Okay, is what he's talking about. And then, so you, sh- you could share, well, listen, that's a straw man argument. There's no one innocent. Okay, number two, you're judged on the light of creation and the light of conscience. You have no excuse to know that there's not a God and that you need to get right with him. Now, let me tell you about Jesus because now you're really in trouble because I'm gonna tell you about Jesus and how he died on the cross for you. And the Bible says that that's the only way uh, that we can get to heaven is through him. He took the death penalty in your place. What are you gonna do? Now you're accountable. Who cares about that guy on the desert island or the top of that mountain or wherever you wanna place him? The question is, what are you going to do with Jesus? Isn't that awesome? We should salivate. We we should have a drippy cup under our chin every time someone. <laughs> let me try not to freak you out, but I'm really I'm so excited that you asked a question. Now just said, uh, always, always be prepared to give a defense. We should just get equipped to that point. And again, this is what's a little bit disturbing with this uh, with this guy here. It's just like he's he's uh, uh, don't uh, and just it breaks my heart. That's not how we should be as Christians. I shared this before. Man, we got a lot to go. I shared this before, okay? And I'll share it again. Um, the three things that overtook the Roman culture, historians agree, was number one, the Christians. How, how did that happen? One was how they died. Amazing deaths. Singing praises unto God as they were literally being burned alive, crucified, eaten alive by all kinds of horrible stuff, right? Number two is how much they loved each other. What? Yeah, how we love each other. How we take care of each other. How we don't beat each other up. We love each other. We take care of you. What do you need? Anything you need? And they go, whoa, I wish I had that. And the third thing historians say, how did the early church overtake the Roman culture? Was they were able to give an intellectual response for their faith. That absolutely made sense, right? We've got to get back to that same thing. All right, let's continue on. He talk, he's talking to this guy, if you were here last week, this guy, Mark, he's talking to this guy, Anthony, who's not the Christian. And he just kind of fumbles up there and he says, hey, uh, I just wondered if you ever thought about God. And he says, hey, he died on the cross uh, for your sins. And then that's when it all begins. Now, here comes the mockery, okay? Here comes the slander. And the Anthony guy comes back and says, hey, that was a joke. Jesus may have been a good man, but he certainly was misguided. And look at where it got him, uh, uh, he, you know, on, uh, death on the cross. Okay? And then we saw last week, well, let's talk about that. Is Jesus just a normal guy? Don't think so. And we dealt with that apologetically. We got equipped with that. Then he goes on and he says, well, hey, he was actually uh, ashamed. He says, I'm really disappointed in you. I, how can you even believe in a uh, God? I, I, I didn't expect you to throw out logic for an old wives' tale. Okay? And then we looked at that logically. Uh, is it illogical to believe in God? Absolutely not. Uh, We've got all kinds of uh, uh, logical evidence for his existence, okay? And it takes more faith to believe uh, that we came from a rock uh, than it did from the hand of God. All right, now let's continue on there. Towards about two-thirds of the way down, it says, Mark knew he was lost, okay? Now, Mark knew he was lost. And it's like, what? Now, again, this is that defeatist attitude, this, this Mark God, this Christian. What do you mean you knew he was lost? I mean, first of all, why weren't you equipped to answer the first two? All right, or here's, here's, here's something, guess what? You know, if somebody asks you a question, it is not illegal to say, you know what? I'm not really sure about that right now, but I'll get back with you. How's that? That's all you gotta do. Go home, do your homework, have some fun. woo come back and give them an answer. It's okay, you can do that. But he said, oh, he was lost, okay, is what he says here. And, uh, and but now his pride was wounded. So he said defensively, I- I've read the Bible. And one of the young men at the other side of the table applauded loud enough for all in the dining room to hear, bravo! Hey, Anthony took his head, uh, shook his head and replied, you don't take the Bible seriously, do you? The Bible is completely, how many of you heard this one? Unscientific and out of date. Right? Liar, liar, pants on fire. We've seen this verse again. I'm going to bring it up again because this is one of the biggest lies they continue to repeat. Open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. And uh, let's take a look there. Isaiah, of course, was written by... Isaiah, you're on the ball. Isaiah chapter uh, 40. And uh, here's what he says. Verse 21 through 22. And this is awesome. Okay. Uh, This is good. Oh, this one, this one. Uh, This is awesome. Now, the, the, the context here is comforting God's people. Did you know it's comforting to know how big, how huge, how awesome, how incredible God is? Because see, when you realize how big and how huge, how incredible, how awesome God is, our problems kind of go like this, right? And then we realize, like, man, if God created the universe and upholds and sustains it, all, what in the world am I worried about? I think He can take care of this. And this is what He says. Listen, to what He says here, uh, verse twenty. He says, "Do you not know? Uh, have you not heard? Has it not been told from uh, to you from the beginning? H- have you not understood since the earth was founded?" He, God, since enthroned on the square of the earth, because we all know the earth is flat and the church always been teaching that. Oh, I'm sorry, what's it say there? The Bible says, the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and he spreads them out like a tent to live in. Excuse me, what in the world are you worried about? But it says right there, the earth is what? Round, how many times you guys said, oh, the Bible, you really believe that? That's so unscientific. The Bible teaches the earth is flat. No, it doesn't, read your Bible says it right there, but that's the tip of the iceberg. Uh, The Bible teaches the universe had a beginning, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning. Do you know how many, it's gotta be billions. It's gotta be billions. You know how many billions of dollars that we have funded, paid for as taxpayers so the scientists can continue with these experiments? I wonder how it all began. Just because you wanna uh, balk at the Bible. The universe is composed of time, space, matter, and energy, Genesis 1-1, right? In the beginning, time, God created the heavens, space, and the earth, matter. Oh, I guess you could have just kept reading the first verse there. Uh, no new matter is being created, Genesis 2.2. Uh, the universe is running down. That's the uh, second law of thermodynamics. Okay, uh, and uh, uh, that's uh, uh, Psalm 102. Life only comes from life. Okay, Genesis chapter one. That's what somebody had shared with me after our study last week. Uh, that the, the classic joke that scientists were beginning to take on God. And they say, so God, we don't need you anymore. Uh, Thank you very much. And uh, we're going to demonstrate that we don't need you because we are going to create our own person. And uh, we're going to challenge you to a test. And God says, sure, let's go for it. And so they go out in the wilderness, whatever, and the scientists gather up a a, a big thing, of dirt, uh, to begin their work. And God says, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, go get your own dirt. (laughs) Man is very good at manipulating already existing materials, but who made the material? God did it, okay? Uh, The Bible says there's a vast number of stars. Jeremiah 33, humans are made from the earth, Genesis chapter two. The hydrologic cycle, Ecclesiastes one. Jet stream circulation, Ecclesiastes one. Air has weight, Job 28. The earth hangs in space, Job 26. Oceans contain springs, uh, Job 38. We didn't find that out until the 1970s. Did you realize that? Okay, and Job's one of the earliest books in the Bible. Uh, There are mountains on the bottom of the ocean floor. Again, that was a recent discovery for us. Jonah talked about that, chapter two. Sea has paths and channels, Psalm chapter eight. Uh, This was actually in the 19th century. Uh, Oceanographer guy, Matthew Morey, he discovered that. Could have just read Psalm eight. Life is in the blood. Uh, We were just watching a program last night. Uh, Do you know how George Washington died? He got sick and they bled him. Because that's what they believed, that there was disease, and if you bled them, and, and then the other thing, he says that then what you would do is you would take them to this person, okay, and on the outside of their shop, they would have these white and red and white and red, and those were the blood letters. The barber also was the one who uh bled the people the blood to get rid of the disease. Well, he died from that. Okay? And oops. I uh, what, what, should have just read Leviticus 17. Oh, sorry, the life is in the blood. You don't want to do that. You don't want to lose your blood, okay? Uh, sexual promiscuity is dangerous to your health, 1 Corinthians chapter six. Disease can be spread by physical contact. Uh, you need to quarantine, Leviticus 13. When dealing with disease, closed body should be washed with running water, is very critical. That's actually a recent medical discovery, believe it or not. In fact, the guy, this is trippy, man. I don't know if you've heard of this, but the guy who actually, if you will, invented, uh, realized, uh, again, you could have read Leviticus 15, okay? But uh, there was the the birth rate for mothers, their survival rate of mothers giving birth back when hospitals were getting started was absolutely atrocious, okay? Well, he just decided, because they would literally give, you know, the baby here it comes with all the and then we go to the next one well now they're getting that in, right and so the ladies were dropping like flies right he just figured well how about if we wash our hands before we go to the next procedure did you know they actually fired that guy and he actually ended up in in, in they put him in an insane asylum true story kid you not can you believe that it, it, you could have just read Leviticus 15 running water Keeps things uh, clean. Sanitation, Deuteronomy 23. Uh, Atomic fission, 2 Peter chapter 3. Light can be divided, Job 38. Light travels in a path, Job 38. Creation is made from invisible particles. We call them atoms. That was in Hebrews 11. Uh, Vast uh, 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 fossil deposits on the earth. You know, if there really was a worldwide flood, let's use some logic tonight. You would expect to find billions and billions and billions of dead things buried in rock layers all over the world. Hey, guess what we find? Billions and billions of dead things buried in rock layers all over the world. That's interesting. That's Genesis 7. Uh, mankind's created from one blood, Acts 17. Uh, genetic mixing of different seeds is forbidden by God. Don't do that. That's a hot topic with the GMO stuff. Right, Leviticus 19, don't want to tamper that stuff. You're going to mess up your food supply, God says. Oops, I guess we don't want to listen to him. Pest control, how to handle it effectively, Leviticus 25. God has given leaves of the trees for medicine, Ezekiel 47. Olive oil and wine useful on wounds, Luke chapter 10. Listen to this. Laughter promotes physical healing. Proverbs 17:22. Uh, recent studies confirm what King Solomon was inspired to write uh, 3,000 years ago. Quote, a merry heart does good like medicine. It's now known that laughter reduces levels of certain stress hormones, which helps bring about balance to our immune system. And this helps your body to fight off disease. For, uh, that's right. So for our health tonight, folks, please repeat after me. I will always laugh at Pastor Billy's corny jokes. Ready, go. I can't believe you guys actually even did that. Uh, don't you feel better? You actually, your liver's jiggling. It's, you're feeling great tonight. That's right. Can you believe that? Hey, keep, I'm serious. I really need your assistance this Sunday because, man, this one's going to give George and the dragon a run for the money. If you guys remember that one, that was a dark day. Uh, but anyway, that's right. That's the opening joke. Uh, but anyway, but as you can see, excuse me, and that's the, there's, we can go on and on. There's actually one uh, uh, research paper that uh, I've got on file, 101 Reasons scientific reasons. That's just, a, what, I don't know, 20 I read there or something like that. Okay, the Bible is not an unscientific book. Now, wouldn't that be neat to just share a couple of those with that guy? As soon as he came back with this, all this mocking going on, wouldn't that be awesome to just share a couple of those things? Oh, I'm sorry, what, did, did you say the Bible teaches the earth is flat? Hey, I just happen to have a Bible with me. Could, could you, and don't even quote it, could, could, could you read that for me? What's that say? What's that say? Wouldn't that have been awesome? Wouldn't that have just shut it up right there. And again, it's not just winning a debate. It's like, oh. Because again, what we saw last week, what I've learned, this is what I used to do before I was a Christian. You think that these are your own intelligent thoughts, your own reasonings that you've based on years of your own intelligence and surmising of all of life and everything. No, it's not. You're just parroting what the media wants you to think, okay, including about Christianity and about the Bible. Let's continue on. He says the only people who use the Bible are either very naive or uh, they, they use the Bible to prey on the ignorance of superstition of others. That's actually a Freudian thought, okay? Who, by the way, was an atheist, a cocaine addict and promoter of cocaine, okay? And his buddy, Carl Jung, was involved in the occult, did seances, got his secular psychology teachings from a demon called Philemon, right? We've talked about that several times before. I'm going to listen to you. But that's where that concept came from, from Freud. The idea of God was made up by our forefathers to cope with life. Right? And so that's what. And you could bring that out too. Uh, Mark opened his mouth to reply. But as he glanced around, he saw all eyes on him. As if the entire student body were waiting breathlessly for him to stick his foot in his mouth again. Now, again, stop right there. How defeatist is that? I mean, really, this, I, and again, I don't know. And maybe he did this on purpose to kind of leave this guy kind of in the mouth. But I hope this is not the typical Christian response. And if it is, we better get back to what Peter said. We need to get back to that word always, not sometimes, not just when you get in a jam, not just for those who like those intellectual arguments. Every Christian, you need to do your homework. You need to be able to give a defense, man, for these kind of questions. Because you know what? These are great questions. This 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 is a rational thinking person question. You need to do your homework. Okay, and that's what he says. Let's continue on. And so he glanced around there and and, uh, he he could see sheer delight on a number of faces as they watched him squirm in his seat. And then a bell rang and the spell was broken. Anthony left without his usual, see you later. And many others looked pointedly in Mark's direction. And (laughs) no, no, is this a word? Sniggered, have you seen it? I've heard of sniggered and I've heard of chiggers. How many of you guys know what chiggers are? From the Midwest, them little things, man. They're like invisible demons, aren't they? They are, man. You're out there. Man, you, and hey, praise God for tube socks. They weren't just cool for the 80s, man. Those were lifesavers back in the Midwest, if you know what chiggers are. <laughs> You're only sign of defense. So, but, uh, uh, but anyway, I thought what's us just sneaker out. Anyway, whatever. as they left the dining room, Mark felt that uh, his best option would be to change. Listen, listen how defeated this is. To change his identity and leave the country. <laughs> are you serious? That's a sad state of affairs that we would actually leave an encounter like that. Like that, as a Christian. You know what really got me? To, uh, actually, it was in the dedication of the, the first apologetic book that I wrote. And I wrote it uh, based on an experience I had with my brother. I was, I was a Christian about six months old in the Lord. And uh, my brother Jim, he asked me, I would say, you know, I was, I was getting into the creation stuff. And uh, he he was uh I uh, was getting loaded up with that and then he just came back with a good logical question and he says uh, uh, where where does that appear in the Bible yeah, on a particular point point. and I couldn't find it right away couldn't find it I just felt like a goober right especially with my older brother right and uh, I I literally I remember going home from his apartment that day as a brand new spanking Christian the information I had was right but I couldn't defend it right. And uh, I realized that, and I said this to God in the car. I says, God, I trust my professors and I know they're not lying to me and I know this information is accurate that I'm trying to share. I, but here's the word that came out of my mouth. I says, but I don't want to be a copycat Christian. I don't want to just repeat what somebody else is telling me I need to say. I want to know it from all angles. I want to know why. I want to know coming in from this side. I want to come from this side. If they ask me over here with this way, whatever, and then begin a passion. Uh, to be able to discover. And guys, I'm telling you, we need to do that for a culture today. We live in an anti, not just skeptic, an anti-Christian culture. And they got these questions and we are doing ourselves and dare I say our Lord, our master Jesus, a disservice for not being equipped like he said we always need to be. So was Anthony right? Was Jesus misguided? Did his disciples cook up the resurrection story uh, just to follow him? uh to justify their following him does it take throwing out our logic to believe in god to put our faith in his son is the bible out of date and unscientific are we christians that uh, believe in the bible naive praying on the ignorance of superstitious uh uh, superstition of others actually these are all excellent questions tom uh and we're going to answer them in this lesson and we're going to see far from destroying the faith that we hold They actually show how logical underlying that the christian faith is and how much it is based on clear and undeniable facts okay facts you're giving me some scientific facts. In fact, the Christian faith is the most logical belief system, worldview that exists when all the facts are taken into account. You want to see that one easy example of that? Let's go back to that issue that we saw in our text, a suffering. Christianity to me is the only one that gives a logical, uh, uh, satisfactory, emotionally satisfactory uh, a response for the origin of evil. Right? Ask the atheist, why do we have evil? We're just, we're just bags of protoplasm. Dancing, this was some of the worst dancing with our DNA. Really? That's your answer as to why there's atrocities on the planet. That's not very satisfying. Hindu person, believe in karma, reincarnation. What, what, what's, what's suffering? Oh, in fact, this is why uh, we will not help the person who's crippled on the road and dying and starving. Because don't you realize that that's their karma that they're working off? And if I were to interfere and help them out and alleviate their suffering, it's just going to make it worse for them. They're going to have to go through it again. Versus, you know what? God made this place perfect, okay? But he gave man the ability to make a choice, okay? And, uh, but, uh, uh, because he wanted a relationship with them, But here comes the devil, okay? Where is the origin of evil? And he messed it up, but praise God, right after that, Genesis 3.15, God said, one day I'm going to fix it for you, okay? And if you would just come to me as an act of love and, grace and mercy and receive my love and grace and mercy, uh, I'll forgive you and you can have a relationship with me forever. That's where evil came from. It's not God's fault. And it's not going to be this way forever. This is what we're studying in Bible prophecy. It's not going to be this way forever. The end of this baloney is coming to an end. Isn't that awesome? That's exciting news. And then we're going to be in a place beyond the wildest dreams. Hey, that's much better than saying, sorry, can't help you. You're working off your karma. Oh, sorry, (laughs) it just must be, I'm sorry, that guy's bag of DNA that he's dancing with, unfortunately, ran into your bag of DNA you're dancing with. Sorry. Christianity is the only one that's logically uh, can defend. All right, now, are the scriptures reliable? The Bible, hello, is unique, okay? To look at the uniqueness of the Bible, we're gonna draw heavily from Josh McDowell, and it's a book, uh, Evidence That Demands a uh, Verdict. You need to get that uh they're going to quote this guy mr williams he's a professor he spent 42 years studying eastern books and here's what he said comparing it to the bible he says pile them if you will on the left side of your study table but place your own holy bible on the right side all by itself all alone and with a wide gap between them for there is a gulf hey we actually got a blank there is a gulf between him and the so-called sacred books of the east which Uh, severs one from the other utterly hopelessly and forever. A veritable gulf which cannot be bridged over any science of religious thought, okay? And he goes on and shares some of these statistics. He says, imagine if you were the general editor of a book and your goal was to produce a book that had great continuity and a common theme and purpose. To meet this goal, you would probably want to gather men with similar backgrounds, education, and certainly men with the same culture and language, right? You got to have some like-mindedness going on here if you're going to produce something that's got unity, right? Logically. In fact, humanly speaking, these criteria would almost be essential to meet your goal of conformity, theme, and purpose. Yet, when you look at the Bible, that ain't the case. And again, this is one of the arguments of why it had to come from God. No man could whoop up the Bible. And yet that's what people say. It's a book whooped up by man. That's what the guy said, right? I can't believe you follow the Bible. Excuse me? Over a period of 1,400 years, that's your first blank there, for, or next blank, 1,400. Over 60 generations by 40 plus authors with backgrounds varying from a political leader to a fisherman to a king uh, to a cupbearer. Over three continents and three languages and it covers hundreds of controversial subjects. Life, death, heaven, hell, the beginning, the end, the whole nine yards, marriage, government, everything. is all contained in the Bible and yet, One would expect the Bible to be full of contradictory opinions to show little of any continuity, yet in continuity, theme, purpose, it is incredibly uniform. Is your next blank there? Uniform. These facts are amazing. Now, they're really amazing. We're gonna close tonight. Uh, When you compare it to other, quote, religious books that are out there, right? Let me just share with you a little bit uh, from the Jehovah's Witnesses, all right? They not only teach that Jesus was the Archangel Michael, and that he did not rise from the dead physically, but they say that the Holy Spirit is not alive, but a mere force. And just like the Mormons, they say you have to work uh, your way to heaven. Well, gee whiz, that's Christianity, isn't it? No. Okay, and not at all. Uh, The Bible that they have produced, quote unquote, is called the New World uh, Translation. Uh, Their founder was Charles Russell, if you're not familiar with him. And listen to this, he believed that he was the sole channel of communication between God and men. He even referred to himself as God's mouthpiece. And he taught, that the churches of Christendom, listen, I'm not making this up, were started by bald-headed men with smoke on their brains. Yes, you can laugh now and feel better. It's medicine, it's medicine. Okay, he thought that if a dog's head were shaped like a man's, the dog could think like a man. Wow. Uh, Another person who helped with it uh, was a guy named Johann uh, Graber. He was a Roman Catholic, and he married uh, himself to a lady who was a medium, okay? And uh, he believed that uh, the reason why that uh, he could with her help have a more accurate way of coming up with their version with the spirit medium. That's a demon, okay? Uh, And then uh, they knew that he was involved in the cult. Fred Franz, he was the president. He uh, did a lot of the uh, translation work. He was neither a Hebrew nor a Greek scholar. He only had two years of college. And uh, another guy who was involved in it was George Genghis. Um, And uh, he said that his... Experience for biblical languages, supposedly their translation. He says he had none and he confessed it and told me that before he came to the Jehovah's Witnesses, he was a short order cook in Columbus, Ohio. That's their experts providing a better translation, a new world translation. Excuse me, I'm going to trust that? I don't think so. That doesn't hold up to what we see in the Bible. Okay, let me give you another one. Uh, This one, I I need to kick because I think we're ill-equipped on this one, guys. We're getting schnookered in the Christian community. Seventh-day Adventists. It's not Christianity, folks. Okay, it is not Christianity. Okay, Seventh-day Adventists also believe that Jesus is the Archangel Michael. Why? Because they're an offshoot from Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay, if you study and do your homework. Uh, They say that our sins will ultimately be placed on Satan, not Jesus on the cross. They say that hell is not eternal, that the soul is not immortal. Worshiping on Sunday, like what we do, they believe is the sign of the mark of the beast. They have a version of the Bible called the Clear Word Bible. And the only thing clear about it is, hello, it did not come from God. Okay, uh, and uh, basically, uh, it was, their founder was a lady named Ellen G. White, if you're not familiar with her. And uh, she was hit on the head with a rock at the age of nine. She remained unconscious for three weeks she was unable to attend school following that incident, so her education ceased at the third grade level, and both her health and her emotions remained fragile as she grew older. But she said that she had the spirit of prophecy. And so she claimed to be the visible authority figure uh, for the original group of the Seventh-day Adventists. Okay? Her writings became 17 times as large as the entire actual Bible, Her followers referenced her 5,000 articles, 49 books, 55,000 manuscript pages that she claimed uh, to be inspired of God. Now, listen to what she uh, wrote. Now, um, she claimed in a vision that she traveled with wings to various places, various planets, which were full of inhabitants. She reported meeting Enoch on a distant planet during one of her journeys. Other times she saw angels using golden gate passes to go in and out of heaven. What if they use RFID? Yeah. Anyway, despite uh, the unbiblical nature of revisions, uh, they not only hide the more embarrassing ones, but they insert her actual writings into their copy of the Bible, on par with the rest of the Bible. Okay. Now, but she's got she's got some really weird ones. Uh, she she not only denied orthodox Christian doctrine, uh, not only uh, false teachings, but she believed that certain races today. Listen to this, okay? Uh, are the result of sexual relations between man and animal, and she called that process amalgamations. She's talking about the black African people. That the reason why we have black African people today is the result beca- uh, between man and animal. Excuse me. And you're, you're going to quote this lady and you're going to put that in your so-called Bible and call it the clear word Bible? I don't think so. One more and we'll close. Mormons. Somebody's doing a brilliant PR job on these guys because a lot of people think that they're Christian. I'm sorry, they're not. Okay, period, ipso facto. Okay, uh, Mormonism teaches that uh, trillions of planets scattered throughout the cosmos are ruled by countless gods who were once human like us. Hey, that sounds like the lie of Genesis chapter three. You will be like God. Well, Mormons teach it, folks. The lie from Satan. Um, they believe that uh, long ago on one of these planets uh, to an unidentified God and one of his goddess wives a spirit child named Elohim was conceived now that's ridiculous Elohim uh, is the Hebrew word it's the plural world word that's used in Genesis uh, 1.24 when it says and let god, god said let us make man in our image us who's us? that's Elohim that's the Trinity God the Father the Son the Holy Spirit okay they, they just pick it out randomly says no that's, that's one of these gods okay And they believe that uh, Elohim is their heavenly father and he lives with his many goddess wives on the planet near a mysterious star called Kolob. not making it up. This is what they teach. Uh, Here the God of Mormonism and his wives through endless celestial sex produce millions of spirit children. And see, that's the reward for these guys when they go on their two-year bike tour and they get into the Mormon priesthood. Now, first of all, there's three kingdoms. The celestial you know when if you want to get to the top kingdom you got to go on your bike tour you got to do a missionary for a couple of years and you got to go through the mormon uh priesthood and do all these secret handshakes and, and have a secret uh, name which is not secret he ripped them off from freemasonry which is also not christian okay george joseph smith did okay there's nothing secret about it okay but if you do that then you get to the top kingdom and your reward is as a mormon uh high priest guy uh is uh at the day of resurrection uh then uh, by the way, your wife will not be resurrected unless you call her name out, okay? And then that's gonna be another thing that actually is being used against the woman. He says, hey, you better do what I say because I have to call your name out the resurrection because I resurrect first, hold on just a second, okay? And uh, and so, but uh, what they'll do is they'll continue on with that and uh, but your reward supposedly is that uh, you will become a god yourself and your wife a goddess, Okay, and then again, the ladies' reward apparently is to forever be, be pregnant and populating your own planet and it, it, that's exactly what they teach, okay? But let's continue on. Uh, they deny, of course, the virgin birth. They say that uh, that was uh, a Mormon God come down uh, with Mary uh, producing that. Uh, they believe that Jesus, when he grew into manhood, that he had at least three wives, Mary, Martha, and Mary Magdalene. And through these wives, uh, the Mormon Jesus, uh, whom Joseph Smith claimed to be a direct descendant of, uh, supposedly fathered another number of children that Jesus had kids too uh, before he was uh, crucified. How in the world can somebody say that that is Christian? That is absolutely, with all due respect, insane. Okay? Uh, And just, we could go into the archaeological thing. You know, the Bible, when the Bible mentions weaponry, when the Bible mentions coinage, when the Bible mentions uh, cities and places, and we find that 100% of the time, every time in archaeology. You know how much we find of Mormons? They mention metallurgy. They talk about weapons of war. They talk about major battles, crops and culture, the use of linen and silk, animals, and DNA. You know how much we find evidence? Zero. One of their battles supposedly took place that involved a couple million people on a hill in New York. Wasn't too far where I used to pastor. I mean, that's a lot of people on this hill. The Hill of Khmer, I think it's called. Millions. And a huge battle involving millions, not hundreds, not thousands, millions. You know how much battle weaponry, anything of anything of any kind of a battle that is found anywhere there? Zero. It's all made up. There's no evidence for it, okay? And this is what you say. When, when people sit there and they make these comments, oh, the Bible is just some other book whipped up by man to manipulate. There's nothing special about the Bible. There's nothing unique about the Bible. It's just like, here's another one. They'll either downgrade the Bible or they'll say, well, it's just like one of the other religious books on the planet. No, it's not. The Bible written over 1,400 years, 60 generations, 40 different authors, three continents, three languages, and it covers all kinds of controversial subjects and it's completely uniform. No book on the planet is like that. Wouldn't that be nice to have in your pocket and just share the next time that God calls upon you, Christian, and I, to give a defense for the hope? It's all there for the taking if we would just take God at his word and always be prepared. And it's okay if you're not. Just start today getting prepared so that we can give that defense. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi. This is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin, or our unholiness, is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done. What even we're going to do? He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right,